This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, June 23rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Hedge fund billionaire Ken Griffin moving his business headquarters out of Chicago. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, rising mortgage rates are impacting the housing market. Let's get an update from Steve Kirch, real estate editor at MarketWatch based in Chicago. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Rising mortgage rates, cooling off the housing market is this a cause for concern or is this some uh, necessary relief for a segment that's been white hot uh, good afternoon Rob yeah the uh, we have seen an impact already on home sales from the rising mortgage rates uh, that's really the only uh, metric that so far has kind of cooled off as as rates have risen. We were at about 5.8% today on the 30-year fixed in the Freddie Mac survey. That's up from just 3% a year ago, and it's up two percentage points just in the last five and a half months. So um, a lot of this increase in the mortgage rates is only just beginning to be felt in the housing market, and it looks like this is going to go on for some time. And how is this going to impact the uh, rental space? And I ask this question from two angles. Uh, One, from the side of the uh, first-time homeowner uh, who was thinking about buying but now can't because they've been priced out and they have to continue to rent, but also from the landlord's side as well uh, in terms of the rents they have to charge. Uh, There's no question that rents are continuing to rise. They hit a record high nationally for the 15th uh, consecutive month. The only good news on the rental side is that the pace of those increases is slowing. But as you point out, Rob, you know, if people are priced out of the for sale housing market, they're going to be or remain in the rental housing market, and that's going to put a, a inventory crunch on rentals as well. So landlords still may have the upper hand here for quite a while. And then what about uh, if you are selling your home? We've been talking about over the last year and a half that it's been kind of a, a white-knuckle experience that uh, if you do sell your home, you better have another one ready. Otherwise, the potential exists uh, for that new house to get snatched away from you. Right. So that's that's a major concern for People who want to put their home on the market, uh, they know that they're likely giving up a very low interest rate, maybe an all-time low interest rate, and they're going to have to get into this market at a higher rate. So either, you know, you're talking maybe empty nesters who are going to pay cash for their next place or folks who have, you know,
know, are kind of forced to move through a relocation of one kind or another. Uh, they may have no choice, but I think you're going to see a lot more people just stay put for a while. And we've kind of seen that already reflected in the home improvement numbers where the chains are reporting pretty strong sales. And that's a trend that could continue for a while as well. And then lastly, if uh, you're trying to get a uh, mortgage right now, you do have the money to go through with it. Um, It's kind of a game of high stakes poker with the uh, interest rate. Do you uh, get locked into this right now or gamble that it may go down in in the future? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't gamble at this point. The Fed has made pretty clear and Chairman Powell again today, they're going to fight inflation. They are going to keep raising interest rates and there's not much chance that mortgage rates are going to come down, certainly not through the end of this year that anybody's predicting. So your best bet if you're getting a mortgage is lock in the rate you can now and not wait. Steve Kirch, real estate editor, Market Watch, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, Chicago-based hedge fund Citadel is heading south. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Billionaire Ken Griffin is moving his hedge fund headquarters from Chicago to Miami. Let's talk about the move with Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Uh, At first blush, it is a blow to the state and the city's business reputation, what with Boeing and Caterpillar also announcing that they were leaving the city uh, in recent weeks. But at the same time, it seems like an announcement that was almost a decade in the making. Yeah, there's a little bit of truth to that, Rob. Um, this is a kind of this story is a fascinating mix of politics and finance. Um, there's no doubt that Ken Griffin, uh, who's the richest guy in the state, uh, does not get along at all with uh, the, the guy who's I think the second or third richest guy in the state. That's Governor J.P. Prisker. So you've had this uh, very uh, colorful and uh, obnoxious and loud fight of the billionaires uh, that's gotten really personal and nasty uh, with Mr. Griffin uh, personally staking uh, uh, Richard Irvin, one of the candidates for governor in the Republican primary, to $50 million of his own money in hopes that he would knock off Pritzker in the general election. So that's clearly part of the story. Uh, but there's another part of the story that we ought to be concerned about, I think, and that's that the, that they're grieving, that they're leaving because they no longer consider Chicago to be a good place to locate their headquarters. Um, why? Uh, because of the crime problem. Uh, Mr. Griffin has been talking about that loudly for quite a while now. Uh, he had an incident himself where somebody tried to uh, to uh, carjack his automobile. Uh, one of his employees, he says, was mugged just a couple blocks from the office. There were riots and looting after the George Floyd uh, protests uh, near his house uh, up on the north side. Um, uh, and and his, his people had been reporting for quite a while, and, and other tech people say the same thing, that the perceptions of Chicago had started to get really foul among young people coming out of college. They don't want to come here anymore because they're worried about the crime. That's really, really, really serious because it affects all this and affects the city's future. And like I said, while there's some political factors here that makes into this, I think there's a real there's a real economic troublesome thing here as well. And uh, Mayor Lightfoot and uh, Governor Pritzker will clearly issue statements saying that things are okay or not as bad, or this is purely a political grudge, and there is some validity to that. Uh, but that is certainly going to be an issue uh, coming up in November, and will absolutely be an issue uh, in the winter of 2023 when Mayor Lightfoot goes up for re-election. Well, it ought to be. Uh, I mean, as you correctly point out, the news that uh, Mr. Griffin was 
preparing to and, and kicking tires about moving his, his operation somewhere else. It's not news. It's, we've all known it for a while. Uh, I did a column a few weeks ago where I said to the mayor and the governor, hey, after Caterpillar, after Boeing, we can't afford to do this. Call up, pick up the phone, go over and see him and stroke him. See what he needs. Tell him we may be on different political pages, but we're here for you. We'll do what it takes, whatever. As best I can tell, none of that happened. That just kind of blew him off. That's not helpful either. And then when it comes to uh, other times, you know, since 2013 when he's threatened to do this, uh, would it have happened in 2014 if Pat Quinn won re-election in that election against Bruce Rauner? Would it have happened in 2021 uh, if the graduated income tax prevailed? And would it be happening now if Richard Irvin was doing much better in the Republican primary than he reportedly is? Uh, those are all fair, fair points of speculation, and the honest answer is the only guy who can really answer that question is uh, is named Ken Griffin. Uh, but uh, like I said, the, the, what the what the company has said is their rationale, which is the crime stuff, uh, primarily a little bit of taxes. It's the kind of things that we over here at Cranes are starting to hear regularly now from other business people. It's not unique to them, and that makes me think that the, while they may be contributing personal factors. Business reasons are a major part of, the, of uh, this decision. Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, United Airlines cuts flights in an effort to reduce delays. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Chicago-based United Airlines is working to reduce delays by cutting some flights. Let's get the latest now from Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting based in Chicago. Ken, thanks for joining us today. The uh, major cut are coming at their uh, hub at Newark Liberty International Airport. Is there anything unique about that particular airport that's turned into such a bottleneck of the United System? Well, yeah. Uh, first off, Newark is big center of a lot of cancellations. The only one that may be even close to it is Midway, unfortunately. But, you know, we got to look at this from a realistic standpoint. First off, United, in making its announcement saying we're going to cut not destinations, but we're cut frequency out of Newark, and we're going to do it after July 1st. I think what's happening here is United, the hometown airline, is trying to do what they can to get ahead of the curve because there is a lot of cancellations due to weather, air traffic control. There is come some construction there. Newark is a free runway airport, one takeoffs, one uh, landings, and then they got a one that kind of goes in a different direction, but it's not like O'Hare. We've got all these runways lined up, and you can use multiples. But the bigger concern is they are seeing, and I think they expect to see a lot more cancellations coming down the road over the summer. Because again, I'm not sure that the operations people and the marketing people are speaking the same language. Marketing people said, oh, we're going to fly everywhere, got increase our frequency in new destinations. The operations were people saying, hey, wait a minute, we don't have the pilots, the flight crews, the uh, staffing on the ground to take care of all of this. How are we going to accomplish it? So what United is doing is saying, hey, guys, let's not get a black eye. And the black eye is we don't want to have a lot of passengers inconvenienced. They're also realizing that up and down the East Coast, the hurricane season is coming. And if that comes, that knocks out a lot of the important travel going up and down the East Coast, and that's going to f- cause flight cancellations. So their move is good 
they're not I don't think they're really telling us the main concern. The main concern is they were ill prepared, all the airlines, not just United, for what happened or what is happening because of the cancellations and crew shortages, et cetera. And then very quickly, Ken, uh, these flights that are being canceled, do we know where they're going? Is it uh, between major city combinations or is it uh, between relatively minor destinations in the United System? I can't answer that because I haven't seen it. But one thing I do know is that it's only domestic. So what they're doing is this day, for example, between Newark and Chicago, you got 20 flights a day. Maybe they'll knock it down to 15. Uh, that's one thing. One thing to point out real quick, which is very interesting, and one of my notes I received this morning, I saw that there are some of the airlines are thinking of bigging back the A380. That's the big Airbus super jumbo aircraft. Why? Because if you substitute that aircraft in, you can put that airplane carrying a lot more people, 500 people, say, instead of, say, a four or five other airplanes. So freeze up things. you got one crew to fly it, et cetera. Uh, I only bring this up because I think this is part of the ways that down the road, airlines are looking to see what they can do to avoid more of a black eye. American Airlines did that in the Philadelphia with their hub. Instead of flying to certain places, they said, we're going to fly you, quote, by bus. So they'll use a bus instead of going to these small places, et cetera. Also, American is cutting back, but they're not doing it until September 1st, and they're pulling out of certain areas, domestic. Ken Goldstein, President KJG International Consulting in Chicago. Thanks for joining us. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, Alexa could be moving beyond the grave. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Supreme Court issues a major decision involving gun rights. A special report coming up from CBS News. In Technology Thursday, a possible new feature for Amazon's Alexa involves the voice of a deceased relative. Estate planning is strongly needed when it comes to cryptocurrency and social media accounts. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 92. The Nasdaq is up 33. The S&P 500 is down 3. We have 81 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies and east wind at 6 miles an hour. Going up to 87 today. Sunny and still very warm, but nowhere near as humid as recent days. Cooler by the lakefront. It's 1231. CBS News Special Report. The Supreme Court has struck down New York state limits on carrying concealed handguns in public. Governor Kathy Hochul called the ruling reckless and reprehensible. I would like to point out to the Supreme Court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets. I'm prepared to go back to muskets. I don't think they envision the high-capacity assault weapon magazines. Hochul says she's working on a plan now to limit the places people can carry guns. CBS's Jan Crawford has more now on what's next. You're going to see New York State now 
have a permitting system that's more like the other states that require that. And But yeah, you're going to have people pushing back on that and say, we don't need a permit system at all. And that's going to work out in the political process. Duke University law professor Joseph Blocker also weighed in on the high court's ruling. Courts will be confronted, I think, with renewed challenges to gun laws that, at least till now, we've taken for granted as constitutional. CBS News special report. I'm Monica Ricks. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. The markets are mixed today. We're joined by Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer with Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, after uh, days, even weeks of wild swings in the markets, uh, the last uh, two days of uh, relatively muted trading are relatively quaint these days. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm actually very encouraged to see this. It's uh, it's really nice to see the markets um, stabilizing, and I think that's uh, important. We're also seeing a, a couple of other good things happening. Um, interest rates have actually moved down uh, lower quite a bit today. Um, I, I think that before long we could see the 10-year yield below 3% again, and uh, we're seeing um, – you know, more evidence that inflation may have already peaked. Um, oil prices have come down quite a bit. We've even seen uh, gasoline prices a little bit lower on, on a national basis uh, at the gas stations. Um, there seems to be some evidence that uh, agricultural commodity prices are also falling. So um, I think that inflation has already peaked, and I think that there's a good chance that the Fed may not have to raise interest rates uh, as aggressively as we've all been fearing. And is this also a function of the fact that uh, traders and economists seem to be arriving at some sort of consensus on what's going on right now? Because a lot of the wild swings in the markets uh, were wildly based on wildly different interpretations of uh, some rather uh, uh, shocking data points in the last couple of months. Yeah, perhaps you're right about that, although I can't say that I've seen a lot of evidence of um of economists uh, coming to some kind of an agreement as to what's going on. I think uh, they still have very uh, disparate views. So, um, you know, the, the thing is that we we basically just have to wait and see. Only time will tell. But uh, I am growing uh, more optimistic that, that inflation has peaked. So hopefully, you know, we will see the market rallying uh, from now uh, through the end of the year, and we can regain uh, some of the losses that we've suffered so far. On, on the on the idea of inflation has peaked, um, there is plenty of evidence that suggests your theory is correct. Um, but chances are there's going to be a great deal of uh, variation in the uh, CPI and PPI prints that are coming out in the next couple of months. Is it going to be kind of a summer of volatility before settling into a trend? Or do you think that trend has already established itself? No, I, I think we will see more volatility. I mean, anytime you have a major report come out, if it's anything different than expectations, even if it's only a little bit different than expectations, you could see a very volatile market. The last CPI report, for example, um, was a little bit worse than expected on the headline figure, even though the core figure was uh, pretty much in line. Yet we saw you know, tremendous volatility in reaction to that. So, yeah, I I would not be surprised to see uh, more volatility, but I'm growing more and more optimistic that uh, we are at the lows in the stock market. Um, Although I would, you know, continue to stress that we went through a period of time where some of these growth stocks became incredibly overvalued. I doubt that they're going to go back to their previous valuations. 
And I think that we will continue to see this rotation into value. So I, I would tell, uh, advise people to, you know, consider the stocks that are not in favor, that they're, that they're you know, out of favor and they're of value and very cheap and they pay good dividends. Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer with Greenwich Wealth Management, graced in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, bringing back a voice from the past through a digital assistant. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. A potential feature for Amazon's Alexa could be the ability to mimic a voice. Let's discuss the implications with Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today, founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. At first blush, and the word creepy was used in the copy uh, to describe this uh, assistant that Alexa uses, but it's not too far off of things that people already do. Um, Just talking around the office today, people have saved voicemails from loved ones. People have uh, kept an answering machine uh, plugged in so they could hear the uh, voice of a long-departed friend friend or relative. So people do this. The question is, do they also want that long-departed relative reading them the weather or giving them directions in their car? uh, There are so... There are so many issues to talk about with this kind of technology. So basically what it is, is that Amazon's Alexa voice assistant, after listening to someone's voice for less than a minute, could simulate that voice when speaking. And this was shown off at a conference uh, in Las Vegas today, and it was a video of the feature. It depicted a child who asked to have their grandmother read them a story. Of course, grandma's been gone for the past 20 years, but Alexa affirms and then changes her voice to read in grandma's, you know, dearly departed grandma's voice. So it goes beyond that, you know, I saved a voice message for my loved one, which by the way, yep, fair, I've done that. But but it go, the, the creepy part of this is, A, the mimicry of a voice after just one minute of listening. I mean, that could be used for all kinds of of scams, for one thing. B, uh, do we really want grandma? I I mean, I just don't know. It just gets into all this kind of weird space that has a lot of potential implications around it. What if it's not grandma? What if it's a child? It's just weird. Now, now there there have been instances in which uh, that voice technology or have been used for purposes that were both touching and also kind of off-putting. I think in the case of uh, uh, Roger Ebert, after he lost his jaw, he continued to uh, do television appearances thanks to a, a voice machine that utilized vocal samples from his many decades on TV so he could continue to communicate via this machine, and that was seen as a very cool application of technology. The flip side of that was uh, Kanye West, uh, as his marriage to Kim Kardashian Mm -hmm. was crumbling, uh, had that, um, that hologram of uh, of her late father, Robert Kardashian, appearing at a birthday party. And everyone thought that was kind of uh, off-putting. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I, I watched um, a hologram version uh, of a concert. It was Natalie Cole and a hologram of Nat King Cole singing next to her. That's not off-putting. You know, it, it, this is one of those kind of metaverse issues where 
who gets to decide what's sort of morally okay and what's weird and what's not. And, you know, we should disclaim this, that, you know, it, it's, um, it's something that they've worked on behind the scenes, but we don't know if they're actually making this feature to come out, if this is, you know, just something that they're talking about, because the potential security concerns with the ability to recreate a voice pattern exactly, I can't imagine turning that loose. Uh, into the general public or, you know, for the general public. So, yeah, it's a good time to sort of talk about where our boundaries are. I, 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 as a consumer technology reporter, hope that I don't see this anytime soon. Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today, founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, making sure digital and social media assets are accessible to your survivors. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Yeah, I feel like a funeral director this afternoon where the uh, the things you need to do after you die uh, segment continues. Uh, just like tangible items, online and digital assets will require management after someone's death. Let's check some of the key points with Bill Ulaveri, the owner of Cynical Capital Management based in Glenview. Bill, thanks for joining us today. You know, we do talk about a lot of things, tangible things in life that you need to uh, take care of as you get your affairs in order, you know, talking about a will and power of attorney and uh, those legal issues and things that get lost in the cracks are your passwords, your Gmail account, your Facebook account, your bank accounts, things that maybe a spouse uh, had control over or you had control over and other people need access to after you pass away. What are some of those things that you need to take care of in the here and now so you don't uh, inconvenience people after you shuffle off this mortal coil? Well, I really appreciate, Rob, the fact that you care about uh, this issue because, you know, my dad, who's in his 80s, just basically says, you know, let the kids worry about it because I'm going to be gone. But the truth is we have online passwords everywhere. I mean, the average number of passwords that a person has are between 80 and 100 passwords. And every account generally should have a separate password. So we're talking about our online, our online brokerage accounts. We're talking about, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, everything requires a username and a password. So what's been happening is uh, even even millennials and the Gen Z are probably way more likely to reuse passwords across their platforms, both, you know, online, uh, personally, and at work. So it's really, really important that when you are operating and you're keeping track of this information, that personally, I don't recommend keeping it on a computer, although it should be, you know, very old school, written on a hard copy uh, in a safety deposit box or in a local safe or something. But, you know, being able to select a trusted contact person at your broker dealer to be able to go on Facebook and create your memorial, uh, memorialization settings. In other words, like a co-administrator to your account who can declare you dead after you've passed away and that you they can they can wind down and close your online presence. And so even in the cryptocurrency space, um, you know, recently gave a presentation at Harper College that there's 26 to 30 things you need to do in order to successfully recover your crypto digital assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum. So we're become, our lives are becoming more and more online. They're more and more digital. And we, it comes at a time where we're probably keeping track of that less because of the sheer overwhelming number of passwords and usernames that we have uh, with multiple 
email accounts, you know, Gmail, Yahoo, AOL, and on and on and on. Bill Uliveri, owner of Cynical Capital Management in Glenview, thanks for joining us this afternoon. The website, cynicalcapital.com. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.